Thanks to a theater near you. It's The Equalizers, a bi-weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Mike, this is... I'm, I'm doing a new a new character. Okay, yeah. It's a quiet uh, whisper Madison. And, uh, okay. I feel like there's probably a better name for this character. No, that's the name of the character. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to bring a new energy to the podcast that yeah. is more yeah. welcoming and um, makes it so that the listener just feels very comfortable and that I'm just uh-huh. a uh-huh. sweet little audio wisp that floats into Ooh. their ear and brings uh-huh. them the most joy that they ever can have ever um like a warm blanket on their eardrums and hey uh quiet whisper madison can i ask you a question yeah why the fuck aren't you whispering i i, I don't know I, I, as i've talked it, it's i gotten a little louder i think i'm like sort of losing it a little bit but i'm gonna go back down here yeah, hey, Madison, that's still not whispering, though? We work in an audio me- medium, Yeah. Um, so like, I don't feel like I, I'm welcome to whisper. This is kind of more like late-night love guru radio, Madison. <laughs> you remember the love guru with Michael Myers? I remember the movie exists. I never saw it. It involved, it involved Michael Myers um, <laughs> having these um, like 12 principles of love, um, uh-huh. but the movie didn't have enough time to go through each one of them. So in the middle of it, he's just like, oh, forget about the other 10. We're going to skip the last two. And then he helps a hockey player uh, steal his wife back from Justin Timberlake. Hey, uh, Quiet Whisper Madison yes. or whatever the fuck this character was called. You know we're going to have to do the love guru now, right? I really don't want to do the love guru. I know you don't, but you know we have to now, right? You know, love guru came right around the time Don't Mess With the Zohan came out. And it's just... (laughs) Hey, Madison, you know we're going to have to do Don't Mess With the Zohan now, right? You know the more you name really terrible movies that we don't want to do, the more we're going to have to do them, though, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the curse of the podcast, you know? It's like... um murphy's podcast law yeah it's murphy brown's podcast law (laughs) so anyway out of character you've heard them laughing in the background and i think we should go ahead and bring on the once in future guest jackson efflin jackson welcome back to your second time on this podcast voluntarily ah yes you've been on three times but that one of the times we did kidnap you and chain you to a chair and another time the episode was lost so it was a ghost so that's a good point that is a lost episode We've talked about trying to recreate those pitches and have you on as guest again for them, but we'll see. I thought it should be some sort of, like, the last episode. Like, if you guys ever, ever like, hey, we're running out of time, we can't do this anymore, we gotta end it, like, <clears throat> it's gonna be uh, Into the Woods 2 at last. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. I got so close to the microphone for that bit for so long, I'm not sure how far away I should be. I have a crick in my neck now, that, and I just am constantly shouldered or hunched. I have a suggestion for that trick in the neck. You grab your microphone and just hold it up to your mouth like this. I feel like a stand-up comic if I do that. Oh, that's true. So, Jackson, we asked you here for The Sword in the Stone 2. Uh, this came about because I had the great pleasure of guesting on your podcast, Gratuitous Pausing, for one of the Disney Bracket honorable mentions to talk about this and Robin Hood. And I, I basically told you, hey, we both like Sword in the Stone. If you come up with a pitch for this, we'll have you on again. 
And then we did kidnap you after that, but... Right. But during the pitch conversation, you talked about how a lot of the Arthurian legends are kind of fucked up, and you wanted me to try to include those somehow. So I've found ways to work many of the more uh, non-Disney-ish Arthurian legends into this, because people might not know this about me. I'm kind of an Arthurian legends nerd, because they're just interesting and weird and there's never been a really good version of them there's a few things out there that are okay but there's no like real definitive arthurian adaption and i uh i do recall that because it was sort of a i challenged a guest to a thing of like hey i almost i dare you to take all of these weird like incest and murder and weird shit from the arthurian legends and make them into a disney movie do you know how upset i was when i was doing research for this and i realized that Morgana is already the name of a Disney villain, so I couldn't use the whole thing where Arthur's half-sister seduces him in the form of his wife in order to have a baby that will go on to kill him. However, I am going to try to keep as much of that plot as I can. I'm just going to use Nimue, an entirely different Arthurian villain. In the end, I got it all to add up. Did somebody say, math? The math is out there. No, no one said that. Oh, okay. Never, never mind. <laughs> but speaking of math, the math is out there. Um, I actually don't have any math facts this week. Sorry. Womp womp. Welcome to this week's segment, Jackson's Geography Facts. Find yourself. My geography fact is that uh, Lancashire, the home county of Pendle Hill, is on the other end of England from London. So the fact that the characters in Hellboy 2019 run all the way from Pendle Hill to London in the space of a night is bonkers. Fine. 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 Well, great. Now I have to come up with some kind of joke theme for Jackson's geography facts. <laughs> or we can cut this bit. No, I'm, I'm using it. I'm using it. I, I have to now. Like, well... Madison may not have the math facts, but I stand firm, as always, in the midst of my garden. That's right, gang. It's time for Daddy's Tomatoes. Our first review comes from Rebecca S., who gave us four and a half stars. The owl was the shit. End of review. <laughs> She's not wrong. I love our comedians. Oh, yeah. I think I feel like Archimedes keeps Merlin from dying on a daily basis. Oh, for sure. I like that Merlin will ask him about future things and he refuses to get involved because <laughs> he, as it were, keeps his head out of the clouds. Uh, and I, I, it's a good character trait for him. He also kind of seems like that uh, there's one point where he's like, you can't tell him that it's going to ruin like the f- it, he doesn't say the like he says it's bad to teach uh, Wart that stuff because they're not humanity's not going to be ready for it in the future basically or like it's you can't tell people about the future now because people have to learn by looking at the past i think that was what it was i don't i don't know an alternate universe where king arthur learned about planes and tanks and trains from merlin and built them in like the medieval era would have been really fucking rad too bad Charlie Hunnam didn't do that. Um, our next review comes from Travis F., who gave us three and a half stars. The sexiest squirrel ever. End of review. Mm. Mm. Which one? Mm. 
That's a good point. Which one? <laughs> Either the one that tries to smooch up Wart or that Sylph. Oh, God. <laughs> Sylph? Yeah. Where I like the fuck? Is, oh, that where you're going? Is that what you're going for, Mike? <laughs> no, no comment. I don't know. I think Merlin Squirrel, uh, I don't know. He had the kind of like um, the uh, guy from mm-hmm. the Golden Compass, the guy who flew the ship. What's that guy's name? Yeah, yeah, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. He had like some Sam Elliott vibes with that mus- I mean, with the mustache kind of like. Oh, yeah. man. Imagine Sam Elliott as Merlin. <laughs> That's oh no! Freak will start the write-in campaign. Madison, you can't bring up Sam Elliott and not give us just a taste of that good, good Sam Elliott impression you got. Got to turn into a fish, wart, to learn about life and knowledge, and don't get ate, don't get ate, ate by the alligator, man. You gotta, you gotta fight the alligator on your own, wart. Thank you. Um, Don't fuck the squirrel, war. <laughs> Madison, for me, I need you to say, like, uh, like hickitus, frickitus, uh, sprickitus, frog, but in that voice. Hickitus, frickitus, wickitus, frock. <laughs> Thank you. When I was on Gratuitous pausing, I told Jackson and Shaggy the thing that I realized uh, that this time through is that Arthur's going to have to tell everybody his first kiss was with a squirrel. Right. It's like probably the saddest part of the movie when this when the, I mean, when the lady squirrel is on the top of the tree, look longing for Wart because Wart and Merlin basically tricked her. There is a very great discussion of all of this on gratuitous pausing. Honorable mention: Robin Hood versus Sword in the Stone, which I will direct your attention to for all breakdowns of some of the not okay sexual stuff going on in that scene. We're a comedy podcast, so let's. Bowl on through to Ignatius C. This is a comedy podcast? (laughs) You wouldn't know it by listening. I know. (laughs) If you read the tags, it says comedy. Ignatius C. gave this two and a half stars. Wow. What a letdown. A sword and nothing. Needs ninjas. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. Jackson, does your sequel have ninjas? Uh... It might have a Stargate, though, Madison. Jackson asked me some questions about renaming a Stargate earlier today as we're recording this. So That was for a different thing, but now I'm thinking, Uh how can I reorganize this entire pitch for that? I asked Jackson if it was for Sword in the Stone, and they said it's for something else. But, like, honestly, why would they ever tell me the truth about that? Like, That's true. The first rule about Stargate is never tell the truth about Stargate. (laughs) Season 9 was great. I'm only on five. (laughs) Our last review comes from Brendan H. Who gave this three stars. Why does Merlin always have to be a wizard? End of review. Like he he wants Merlin, the claims adjuster uh, or Merlin. (laughs) Merlin, the actuary. Yeah. uh, Merlin, the, um, the morgue worker. Mm. who is just like scalpity, welpity, (laughs) whoop-a-doop-doo. Corpsity, porpsity, good. Well, that's the end of the tomatoes. So, unless anybody has anything else, Madison, if you want to go on about five more minutes of your Merlin the Morgue song, <laughs> we can. If not, that's fine too. I just... Embalming, bobbing, do 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 do. No. I like how all of your your ideas <laughs> involve. <laughs> 
a morgue word, something that vaguely rhymes with it, but ends in idity or sidity, and then do 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 do. Interestingly, there may be some historical precedent for that. See, like uh, Merlin comes from like general like Celtic UK mythology, well pre UK whatever, and a aspect of that was this idea of people who mourn the dead are too connected to death and are therefore unlucky. <clears throat> And so it was kind of a professional job that you would find someone who knows how to mourn and you'd hire them to mourn for you and to do all of your stuff with that because that way you're <clears throat> out of the like dead spiritual zone stuff. So the idea of Merlin as a morgue worker is not too far out of the realm of possibility. Hey, Jackson. Mm-hmm. With just that fact, this is already the smartest episode of our podcast. Yeah. I mean, normally Madison's just recounting a fever dream they had about Beetlejuice, (laughs) and now we've got (laughs) historical information. I hate to keep putting the onus on you, but I think it's time to see what pitch you've pulled from the stone in the center of London. Mm. So, I'm theorizing this is being part of the Disney sequel renaissance, that is from the mid-90s to mid-2000s, where they just made a sequel to everything, whether or not it needed one. They were basically doing your job before, you know, you were doing this. Um, The direct-to-VHS era, right. Is this still animated? Oh yeah, still animated. Okay. And so this is what gave us Little Mermaid 2, Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, Mulan 2, Tarzan 2, which was... (laughs) A prequel. Was Milan 2 called Let's Get Back Down to Business? Sadly, no. It was uh, sort of a Seven Brides for Seven Brothers thing, but with only three of each. When will my reflection again show who I am? <laughs> it was just Mulan 2. Yeah, what a waste. And uh, Hunchback and Notre Dame 2, where Quasimodo gets a girlfriend. But yeah, so I'm, bit, I'm kind of using those kind of rules, so I'm going with that, that sort of idea. So songs we don't need, worse animation. Uh, the characters are, are all the descendants of the main characters in the first movie, uh, and we're rehashing a lot of the story bits. So, uh, I'm going with, like, Arthur's kid, and the villain is Madame Mim's kid, and that kind of thing. Okay. So this is Disney's The Descendants. Pretty much, but only with the Arthurian characters. I, I'm for it. Yeah. I mean, I'm for it. Um, do you have songs for this as well? Ideas, at least, in titles, or... No, that is okay. firmly a thing that I'm like, I'm going to just be like, hey, there's probably a song here. What happens here? Okay. Um, I mean, we did Trolls 2 and barely ever touched on any songs. So no judgment. I'm just curious. Right. Like if it if it comes up, I will try to come up with something. We'll see what, cool. where that goes. And the other thing I want to do with it. So like the first film is going to have uh, Arthur's kid having a lot of being transformed into things to learn lessons. But the kind of gimmick for this is that that's all happening and in the background of these shots and these animal-based adventures are various events from the whole thing where Arthur's wife, Guinevere, betrays him and starts supporting Lancelot in secret. Arthur finds out, tries Lancelot for treason, and has him executed, but in the process, a lot of knights die. Okay. So that's all going on in the background of these shots. <laughs> and when you say going on in the background, is it like actually in the background? Like it's Arthur's kid and Merlin's kid playing rock, paper, scissors as uh, monkeys. And then, like, you see <laughs> you see them in the background, like, Lancelot, like, getting his head chopped off. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm going Okay, to okay. Sure, okay. But in, like, but in ways that are just technically unclear enough that, like, if you, that it's acceptable for a Disney audience, because these are rated G, remember? So, 
It's all fine. It's all For sure, fine. it's blurry in the background. You see something that kind of looks like an axe, something that kind of looks like Lancelot's neck, something tumbling down the hill that kind of looks like Lancelot's head. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt and I did just last episode pitch a somewhat gritty uh, sequel to Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, The Adventure Begins, that we presume is made by the same people. So yeah. if you want to have it be, if you want to have that subtext be text, go for it. Like we're Oh, interesting. Okay, so the film starts with Arthur, like, hanging out with his kid and, like, just teaching him how to joust, that kind of stuff. Um, this is actually probably where a song happens. So, like, what's the, like, core lesson that Arthur and this film are trying to impart with this opening scene? Like, what's, the, like, the big thing this kid needs to learn <laughs> so just to be clear you created a pitch that we don't know and you're now asking us what the core theme of that pitch is oh no no i have plot elements i don't have like moral lessons involved that's not my that's not my oh, okay. aesthetic you provide the substance i'll provide the structure okay <laughs> i i felt like disney's take on the sword of the stone the first one had a sort of don quixote feel where Merlin was the Don Quixote character and Wart was uh, the Sancho character. So is there anything we could do with that, Mike? Uh, yeah. I've not read Don Quixote. Okay. So. Well. I've eaten at a Don Pablo's. <laughs> That's the same. Let's move on. Let's let's just follow that. What did you eat at Don Pablo's? Uh, they used to have these really good tater tots that were shaped like letters. Okay, so tater tots is the theme. Yeah, so spelling, obviously. So Education. Spelling. Education. We'll, we'll that education well again. Education, yes. Okay. But with food. But like what if we do make... what if we do food based learning? Based on that, I'm gonna take the serious turn off of this bit Madison's going with. What if the lesson is like you can learn from everything? Even like, oh, look at that bird flying. You can learn something from just watching it or whatever. Like there's there's things to be learned <laughs> in everything. Look at those dogs humping in the park. <laughs> Friction, right? Look over there as your mother betrays me. What? <laughs> I would love it if their scenes imitated, like, let's say, like, the beginnings of love or something like that. Like the theme of this scene is love. And you see him falling in love for the first time or, like, flirting with someone. But in the background, you see, like, Arthur and um, his wife, like, arguing. And then, like, yeah. the possible future of this sprout being, like, planted or this, this seed being planted. You know. He finds his dad's weird book of squirrel pictures hidden under the bed. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> You're super comfortable in that. I can't go where my mind goes. Uh, take your pick of those options, Jason. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I like the idea of you can learn from everything, but also the importance of spelling is important to my pitch down the line, so I'm kind of good either way. Hashtag Don Pablo's. Don Pablo's hater talk. So, like, we'll figure that out maybe, like, afterwards once we've ha- hashed more things out, but, like, yeah, one of those two is a good place to go. Let me interrupt you real fast. Mike, do you think we could get Don Pablo's as a sponsor for the Equalizers podcast? Uh, maybe. This is, a, this is a legitimate fact. I googled how many Don Pablo's were in the United States a couple years ago for a thing I was running, and I think it's, like, around 100 so i don't know if they've got a whole lot of money to be thrown into an indie podcast we could be their big break yeah <laughs> we could bring about the renaissance of don Pablos. that's a good name for a band hey so just so you know jackson i don't know what you were thinking but this is called the sword of the stone 2 colon don pablo's rises <laughs> Do you, think we could, do you think we could get them to rename it uh, Don Equalizers? 
So it turns out Arthur's son is actually named Don Pablo, right? Oh, man, I I had a plan for this, but I mean, that, this bit is very good, so I guess it is now. There's no that plan. Look, for the record, we did spend all of a troll in Central Park 2 calling the main kid Billy Ray, even though that was empirically not his name. So, like, oh we could just God. call him Don Pablo for the bit, but that's not the character's name. Sure. So my plan was to have the kind of dun-dun-dun reveal of the end be that the kid's name is Mordred. Of course. And so Arthur's scholars were like, will be like, uh, will be like oh, that's the kid who's prophesied to kill Arthur down the line. And people who don't will just not have any idea what's going on. So next we need to have like a dinner scene where Arthur and Guinevere are having, the, like Arthur now knows about Lancelot and Guinevere's affair, but hasn't broached it yet. And so it's this very like tense conversation where they're kind of, Arthur's doing the whole thing where, like, he's mentioning things that have, like, a double meaning, if you know what's going on, and Mm -hmm. Mordred does not, but his parents are still getting mad at each other, so he runs off into the woods, much like Arthur from the first film, and it's got, like, kind of the parallels and the visuals and all that jazz. He runs into the woods and finds himself in a cottage with a mysterious woman who introduces herself as Nimue, and she's going to be our Merlin analog for this film. Mm. But, and this is probably something that you, like, that will be found out over the course of the film, she's Madame Mim's daughter, and she's after Ar- and she's after Merlin's spellbooks. I mean, Merlin's your dad, though, right? Because, I mean, we all know, we all know how those babies get made. You know what? Sure. I hadn't planned on that, but that offers more chances for the incest vibes, because She's historically the person who seduces Merlin and turns him into a tree. So yes, he's also her dad. I'm just imagining a bunch of sex toys dancing around the room, like, as Merlin, like, waves his wand around. But you don't mean the magical kind. Um, okay, I was the one who thought that was funny. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, what's a non-magical sex toy? No, 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 I know what he meant now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Did you just cross yourself, Jackson? (laughs) I told a joke so bad, Jackson converted to Christianity. (laughs) Okay, so her plan here is to essentially turn Mordred to the dark side and get him to go along with her evil plans. So what lessons can she be teaching him to sort of subtly... I don't have notes for this bit. What lessons can she be teaching him that will kind of convince him that his dad is evil and, and he should go over to the side of evil and so forth. I've been re-listening to Super Mario Bros. Colon the movie, colon two, colon Mario's missing, colon the movie, recently for reasons. And so I feel like Daniel has set the stage for um, Sword of the Stone 2, in which there is a very politically charged abolish the monarchy and kind of song. <laughs> like maybe her thing isn't so much overtly evil as just like, the power structure that you're a part of is bad. Okay, so I'm here for that, and I have a way to work it in, too. So we know that Madame Mim is a time traveler because she has playing cards in her house, and playing cards didn't, like, the, the kind of, like, you know, like, hearts and spades and that kind of thing, those didn't reach uh, the Europe until about the 1300s, even though they were invented in, the, like, 900s to 1000s uh, AD China. But the film takes place in the... 500 to 600s, so Mim's probably a time traveler collecting games from across the timescape because we know she likes games. So, that means she probably also knows about communism from the future. Does she have Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Oh, she 100% has Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Does she have Carcassonne? Carcassonne. Um, Ooh, crisp. From her mom's travels in the future, she knows about socialized medicine, 
But her mom was struck by that one, like, plague that Merlin gave her in the first film. So she's trying to get Merlin's time travel spell books to go to the future and get her mom socialized medicine. Because her mom is now too weak to, tra- to time travel and she doesn't know the magics herself because she's not that good. She has to steal a fairy godmother's wand to break the spell. and <laughs> Pretty much. So she and a bunch of kids from other Disney villains have to infiltrate and steal it, right? Yes, that's exactly it. But all she has right now is uh, just... Arthur's kid. Wait, she has Arthur's kid? <laughs> like, I like the idea that she's a time traveler. Like, what if she wants to go back in time to the first movie and, like, mess up the lessons of, of Arthur? Oh, I like that. Hey, Jackson, what if you throw out your entire pitch that you've been <laughs> planning and just do this? No, no, that sounds great. Because what better way to mess up the lesson <clears throat> of uh, being a squirrel than sending your kid back in time to seduce his dad as a squirrel? You said you wanted the incest. You said you wanted it. Okay, for the record, I don't remember saying I want the incest. I remember saying, <laughs> I, I remember saying, work in as many of the weird shits from the original as you can. That's true. Yeah, I like the idea of going back in time and messing up the lessons. So yeah, I just, I just need it very clear that I did not say the phrase to you. I want the incest. <laughs> Well, you just said it online, so someone's going to take that and turn it into a 23-minute, like, remix. Yeah. So, are you thinking that, like, Mordred was the pike that tried to eat uh, fish uh, Arthur, and, like, he was the hawk that tries to eat bird Arthur and that kind of thing? That's fun. Cool. How do you um, justify the idea that killing Arthur as a kid would also then erase Mordred from the timeline? Uh, a wizard did it. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, Arthur's kid probably wouldn't want to kill his dad, right? Because it means that he wouldn't exist. That's right. literally what I just said. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but why would he do that? Like, I guess... He wouldn't necessarily have to know. So maybe she's not telling him this. Maybe she's just, like, doing this and not telling him that that's his dad bird. That's just a bird. Hmm. Okay. I mean... The idea also is just trying to kill him messes up the lessons inherently. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't have to succeed. He could just like show up and throw a wrench in it by attempting to kill him. Yeah. What if the intention is to kill Merlin? Because Merlin is the one who sets Ooh. him on the path. If Merlin was not there, Arthur would have became probably a knight or a squire, right? And then maybe a, eventually he would have been called to battle and then maybe he would have fought in like the war, right? So if Merlin hadn't been there, Arthur probably just would have been like a pot scrubber for the rest of his life. He would have been like a servant. So the plan is to reduce Arthur back to, to like being a servant and something something class dynamics. I'm not sure how this all works into the whole like getting rid of the monarchy thing. but Taking it back to okay, my, yeah. my Don Quixote parable. Uh, okay, awesome. What if Arthur becomes like he's a servant for all of his life? But he's like seeing like these stories of these knights and everything. Um, and then he eventually, as an old man, becomes a knight. And he didn't then he just becomes Don Quixote. <laughs> yeah, I'm what, into it. What if he's a pot scrubber and he's looking for a way to advance and he discovers magic and as an old man he becomes Merlin and travels back uh, in time to train his younger self to be king? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. But maybe maybe when he travels in time, what if he cuz Merlin can't remember everything cuz he like he at the beginning of the movie he's like he's going to be here but he doesn't know who it is, right? He does He has approximate knowledge of many things. Yeah. So, 
what if before he goes back in time to teach himself, um, like, what's the woman's name? The uh, Madame Mim or Nimue? Madame Mim. Like, she does something to him to make him forget everything. Mm, sure. Or he's just really old and he's senile, also, and so he doesn't quite. What if, because of all the time traveling stuff, he's not sure of which timeline he's in right now? So he knows, like, certain things are going to happen, but he's not sure. Like, <laughs> like, it's like Can the so, Wizard. Like, <laughs> like some things are fixed like someone always falls through that hole in the in the thing but sometimes it's arthur sometimes it's k sometimes it's i don't know Gwen, whoever <laughs> one time it was the wolf who's now also a wizard <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what if we introduce a scene at the end of the first one now like a, a post-credit scene where merlin shows up in arthur's room and it's it's your kid arthur something's got to be done about your kid i knew you were going there <laughs> fuck you <laughs> I know. I, I couldn't let the fans down. Yeah. Good, good. I was waiting for the 1.21 gigawatts somewhere. Okay, so a lot is being yeah. nebulous. Let's lock down what the plot is so far. Well, this is arguably your pitch, so I think you pick. What are we locking in? Okay, so... Back to the future. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Well, are... Don Quixote. 1.21 gigawatts. Don Quixote. Make like a tree and get out of here. Arthur's kid falls through the roof. Nimue gets him to go back in time and tricks him into like messing up uh, the lessons of Merlin somehow that okay. gets Merlin killed, or at least gets Merlin out of the picture. And Arthur grows up a like pot scrubber, and uh, seeing no way out, he takes up magic and becomes Merlin. Goes back in time to fix his own timeline and then creates the original like story, but. Uh, oh, uh, but Nimue keeps do- like doing like different things with different kids. So there's now multiple timelines where Arthur becomes different levels of Peasant's Knight to King. One of which he becomes Don Quixote. And in this iteration that we're, we've now gotten to, Merlin isn't sure which timeline he's in at this point. Did we just create into the Arthurverse? Yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> yes, we did. Um, I want. Um, it's a little more like Primer, honestly. But yes, I, I really like this. Um, I want. Oh. Oh, also, um, the bit where there's like a lot of timelines happening should be a musical number. Okay. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Madison, what would that sound like? Time to do, 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 do. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what if him as a pot scrubber, so there's all this like tension between like um, in the kingdom. Like, is he the pot scrubber for the king? Or do you? Or sir, still just in Sir Ector's house. Yeah, I think it's just Sir Ector's house. Okay. Like in the first film. Okay. So what makes him be like, I have to take up magic so I can stop things like this? Because he wants to, like, change... He wants to change the future, right? Or, like, he wants to become greater. Like, why? what? what is, like, the, the event that makes him want to take oh. up magic? Oh, so, like, all through the film, uh, there's, like, these, like... There's a bit where Kay, like, oh, box his ears. So it's clear that uh, doing violence to your servants is totally fine. So maybe, like... Some, either him or some other servant is subject to violence by the aristocracy. Um, I just rewatched tonight the Russell Brand uh, remake of Arthur. There's a line in there where he's spending just shitloads of money. And somebody says, like, how can you justify spending all this money during a recession? So maybe Kay is throwing this lavish party and at one point comes down to the kitchens and is like, oh, by the way, I'm cutting your pay or something like that. Like. Mm, sure. It is a time of Kay or Actor like spinning very frivolously while Arthur and all the other serving people are like living like 
less than hand to mouth. I think someone has to like die or something, right? I think it needs to get to the point where he uh, like maybe he starts out with black magic and then he makes his way back or something. Like cuz he said like, "Oh, I never touched this stuff in the first movie." But like maybe he he knows of it. He said he he clearly Merlin knows of black magics, but he says well, he doesn't go there. That could be a Merlin timeline where he didn't dabble in black magic. Mm-hmm. That's true. Or is mm-hmm. are, are we assuming Merlin is the same in every timeline? It's just the same Arthur just messing through timelines. I mean, we got to have a start point of where it starts to like tree out, right? Like, so what is the start point where it starts to tree out into the other ones? I think, and Jackson, you can make this decision. I feel like we take the original Sword in the Stone as the prime timeline. And then maybe the kid that Jackson's talking about, Don Pablo, does the events of the second one where they go back in time. And that's what spirals into the multiple timelines. Like it fractures. Right. But that's up to Jackson to decide. Every time this kid becomes Merlin, it still creates someone who's trying to destroy Merlin. So it's kind of, so it's just like two time travelers having a fight. Basically, okay. yeah. Sure. Um, uh, I like the idea of someone dying at some point. I'm not sure. Like, who should who should die? Who needs to be the like the the dead person? I think an easy answer is the cook, late the, from the first one. Mm. Yeah, because she's a serving person who presumably has an influential role over Arthur. Yeah, in a sense, and it could also be I don't know, like it could be a love interest or something they get introduced, and then like she dies, or it could be that squirrel. It could be the squirrel. Ooh, oh, okay. Hear me out. What if it's the wolf? Okay. I'm not sure why. I'm just like, what if it's the wolf? That's just a thing. I don't have a good reason. Maybe we should cut this bit. It almost have to be a serving person, though, for Arthur yeah. to take up magic to overthrow the monarchy. Ooh, ooh, oh, oh. In the, in the prime timeline, Hobbes comes down with the mumps at one point. So mm-hmm. what if Kay is spending all this money for, like, frivolous stuff and, like... He could spend the money on getting Hobbes, like, treatment for his mumps, but he mm-hmm. doesn't, and then Hobbes dies of the mumps. That's good. So, I guess we come back to what happens in this movie, because we have we have multiple Arthurs and Merlins and Mims and Nimways and Squirrels and Wolves and Kays and Ectors. Like, what's the... A good thing we the, could do is have them all end the same way, right? So it's kind of like they spread out, and then they, like, close out in the same way like it's like oh you can't like change the future that much like it's all gonna like end up the same like in some way or another there's some there's some destiny that like is always we're stuck with are we tracking multiple timelines then in this movie or is it like is it a cut from timeline a to timeline b now and c and d or is it we're following more or don pablo and or nimue and or merlin arthur I think I think we're I think we're like cutting between the timelines, right? And then okay, I think the movie starts with uh, Arthur's kid going to the daughter of I keep forgetting her name, Lady Mim, Lady Mim, Madam, Madam, Madam Lim, Madam Lim's the marvelous bad Madam Mim, and <laughs> he goes back in time and changes like. 
he kills Merlin or he just prevents him from like teaching Arthur the way so Arthur goes on this track. Maybe like to avoid having to kill off Merlin in a Disney movie, we just like turn him into a tree or something. Yeah. Just, like that could be an option if we need it. And what if and what if and what if in every timeline he goes to this tree and like reads or something? I think that'd be cool. Hmm. Oh, I like that. And then that's where eventually like he become he does the dishwasher thing, he sees this event what happens um that sets him off on this path and then the multiple timelines happen how many timelines do we want is it the four uh, is it four i feel like three is a good number if only because it's like it's not too many to keep track of and it's like you could have like a servant knight king kind of thing that's good um i think that yeah. works pretty good it's like easy to differentiate you can and you don't have to like have too many things happening and it's okay so but what actually happens in this movie like what is the premise what's the plot how do we get like what like we have we have a really good framework of these three alternate universes or timelines going but is it like are we tracking don pablo or are we tracking time ones like what's i think we're track i think we're tracking war in these multiple so this timelines. is a what if this, this is becomes a, a what if movie yeah 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 okay yeah i think i, um, I think don pablo's gone by like the first, because I think Don Pablo might not exist, or he maybe exists in another way. Well, he'd be in the third, the, the King timeline, yeah. surely. Yeah, yeah, and that's where we can keep Jackson's entire original pitch <laughs> is in the King timeline. <laughs> so when we started this, we had the whole like you you can learn from everything. So maybe like uh, somehow somehow like these like three different timelines like the the whoever is the main part of this learns some lesson from all three of them and it like collapses at the end to like some i'm not sure how this works in terms of time travel and stuff. what if keeping all three lessons of like what it's like to be a king what it's like to be a knight what it's like to be a servant what if we open like you talked about and then through whatever with nimue we fracture the into these three timelines but don pablo slash mordred whatever is in it throughout all three like witnesses all three timelines Mm, sure. And so learns these lessons, and in the third one, then they're back, and it's like the king one, and learns to like be a decent king or whatever. Like I don't know, or abolishes the monarchy, whatever. But the lesson is learned by going through all three timelines. Yeah, that makes sense. And that way, then we keep the learn from everything because if the lesson is learned from everything, and then we don't have a character actually follow through on that, it just feels like that's not really a theme of the movie. It was just a weird song we had in one in the beginning of one timeline. And at no point has a Disney sequel had a song about learning uh, from things that then never comes up in the movie. That would be completely unrealistic. You know what? I'm not Walt Disney Jackson. I have fucking integrity. So. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, fun fact. This was the last movie uh, Walt Disney produced when he was alive because he died in the middle of Jungle Book. If you can give me a year, we can make that a math fact. It, he died in 1966. Fun math fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, he's cryogenically frozen under the Pirates of the Caribbean ride anyway. That's true. Okay, Maybe so that's how we end the film. Just killing Walt Disney. <laughs> we zoom in on Walt Disney's cryogenically frozen body under Pirates of the Caribbean ride. He's actually in the gold pile where Jack Sparrow is at the end of the ride. He was actually cremated, and he's in the bottle that Jack Sparrow has in the parts of the Caribbean. Right? 
Jesus Christ, what? I just... <laughs> they, actually pour, they pour his ashes into the Winnie the Pooh costume every day, and that person just has to, like, live Jesus. in it. Jesus <laughs> I've got a rumbly in my tumbly. I got a walt in my vault. <laughs> I hated everything about that. What have we become? This this podcast has turned us into monsters. <laughs> no, it's revealed that we're monsters. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so I have a way to save this. Like the kind of first timeline should be the king timeline, second timeline should be the knight timeline, and third timeline should be the uh, servant timeline. Okay. So Arthur's kind of slowly just like descending every time because in the first film, bringing it around, uh, there's a bit where Merlin's like, well, you're at your lowest point now. There's nowhere to go but up. So maybe like hmm. use that kind of thing of like, you know, Arthur's at his lowest point in this timeline, and, you know, we see who he becomes from that. Mm. Question. Okay. In all three of these timelines, I guess we know in one of them. What's the sword in the stone doing? Is it just is it just there? Oh, yeah. Maybe, like, he never draws a sword if he never um, goes out. If a specific event of the first film don't happen, he never draws the sword. So it's just there, and England is falling into decay or whatever i like the idea because in the gratuitous pausing episode we talked about the idea that merlin is teaching arthur how to be worthy to pull a sword from the stone yeah maybe in this it's just inherent like like the idea originally of just like arthur is the king period but in the squire one he's like abolishing the monarchy so he, we see him pull from the sword from the stone and they're the, like the lights going and then we just see him fucking chucking it into the ocean yes and then the lady of the lake grabs it. Yeah, him. we just see the hand, like, grab it and pull it down. Or whatever. Like, and then, like, he shoots it with arrows. Like, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I mean, I was kidding, but... No, 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 I'm actually super into that. Like, maybe, um... Maybe, like, in one timeline, he pulls it and just becomes king. One timeline, he tries to pull it, but whatever, because he hasn't learned the Mer- Merlin lessons, he, like, isn't a good... He isn't the rightful king anymore, so it won't come out. Mm-hmm. Peasant timeline, he... Pulls it, realizes the kingship is bad, and like I said, throws it, in the, throws it in the ocean. Just pitches mm. it. Chucks it in a lake. So, I think maybe we give... We have to give Mordred some kind of like... Oops, try again. Like, reset button. Like, oh, this didn't turn out the way I wanted. Reset and try again. And then maybe in the end of the third one. Uh, obviously, since it seems you're interested in abolishing the monarchy as the plot. Always. Of course. Then just like also he throws the the reset button or whatever into the ocean like it's some stone with like a rune that's like oh press touch the rune with some blood and you reset the time again or whatever and so at the end it's like nope this is the best one and just chucks it in the fucking ocean also maybe the reset button is just like uh like freeing Merlin from whatever they did to like get him <clears throat> out of the picture and then Merlin just like resets things hmm. Hmm. that could work yeah and then Merlin's always a, a tree forever and Arthur abolishes the british monarchy yeah i mean is that it did we do it i guess i feel like there needs to be something to wrap it up with arthur abolishes the monarchy what does that like mean that mordred is never born how does that happen what's the what's the i asked you this question like 20 minutes ago and the phrase you used was because a wizard did it so i think (laughs) i think mordred would be born but he'd be different in every timeline right Right. So, I mean, we could, so in the King timeline, he becomes the boy who basically sets all these events into motion. In the peasant timeline, he would, depending on if he, if he would be born, 
right? Are we are we thinking that Arthur still gets married and has a has a family in the peasant timeline? Let's assume he does so that like Mordred is always a constant so that just so that so that the timeline has some doesn't yeah. break so, down too so, much. But he didn't get married to um Guinevere. 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 So he got married to probably Lancelot. An, another pe- a, another peasant. So it's Mordred, but he has brown hair instead. I mean Yeah. And a far easier solution is also just the Doctor Who solution of like, oh, you're outside of time now. Like you're a time traveler. Messing around doesn't quite affect you the way it does everyone else. Like Mordred? Mm. Yeah. But he's not traveling from one timeline to the other. He's That's what I thought we were saying. But he would still exist in the other timelines, right? Like because he was be, be born. So but there'd be a version not of necessarily. him. There'd be a version of him in every timeline. But that's not necessarily true. He, that happens if we like if we say it happens like oh yeah he's yeah. born in every time like it's yeah. not a constant that he's born we're just saying it is. so if if that's the case i would say he's only born in the king timeline yes exactly and that's yeah. like the first one and then he resets the timeline because of the nimway thing but he's still around because he's like traveling okay to reset it and so he's yeah. in all of them as himself like he's learning these lessons along the way so he's mm-hmm. theoretically outside of time Okay. Instead of we have to figure out a way that he's born in every timeline and meets Nimue and resets the timeline. What's the middle time? Right. What's the middle timeline again? That's- uh, knight. Uh, yeah, Arthur becomes like a, a squire, then a knight, and just like goes out to war, probably dies in battle or something. Falls in love with Lancelot. Yeah, that one. Or Gawain, whoever. You can pick yeah. Jackson, it's your pitch. I like Lancelot, keep that triangle going. Oh yeah, he's got a thing with Guinevere. Lancelot does. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got a secret thing with Arthur. There are versions where that's canon. There's, there's one where they're trying to like make nobody the bad guy in that situation. So the like they all just have threesomes, and that's why like whenever has Lancelot's kids. I think you're say they're both having an affair with Lancelot and Lancelot just doesn't know what to do in that situation. He's like, <laughs> Guinevere's sleeping with me, Arthur's sleeping with me. Basically. Neither of them know. <laughs> I would watch that movie. So at the end of the movie we're in the peasant timeline. And right. Arthur draws a sword from the stone and chucks it into the ocean. And presumably then Mordred slash John Pablo does not resurrect Merlin to reset the timeline. Right. Because monarchy's abolished. And that's just it? Is that the end? I guess. I feel like it needs some, like some like resolution thing or just like end in a kind of quiet, low energy place. That's the thing. I think at the end of it, it all ha- all of the endings are the same. It's just what happened to get them there. So I would say that England is like burning, right? Or London is burning or something like that. And one of them is because the people revolted with the revolution by Arthur. And then in the night timeline, it's because they lost the war and they are being taken over by a foreign power. In the king timeline, it's because... I mean, King Arthur gets killed in that one, right? The snake or whatever and the whole... yeah. Mordred thing, yeah, yeah. I like the idea that like Arthur like goes on to lead a revolution in the last time, and that works for me. I mean, we could also not have this be Mordred, so that Mordred exists to do the whole death of King Arthur thing. Like, I mean, this takes liberties with the Arthur myth. We could also take liberties and be like, it's their other son or daughter. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with daughter. Her name's Gwarther. <laughs> 
<laughs> Madison made a face like you were about to offer something else. It didn't have anything, and we're just not happy with what I said. Like it, you ended on just I don't like that, but I don't have anything to say. Guarfer, <laughs> Gwynether, Gwynifer. No, Gwynether. Oh, not Gwenny from Christian Mingle the movie. <laughs> I like the idea of London burning at the end of every. That's a good button to put on it. Uh, oh, idea. Um, so every time London burns, there's like the same song that plays, but it starts off as kind of like like starts off as kind of a somber like, oh, London is burning and it's mm. sad kind of thing. Then goes into like a like, exciting dramatic London is burning when it's a war. Then like a sort of triumphant London is burning at the end. But that's it's really like, good. Like hurrah, and that's kind of how we end it on a high note. I like it. That's good. So Jackson, what do we call it? And we can't use oh, into man. the Arthur verse because we've already used it into the something verse. <laughs> Oh man, I had no idea. We need uh, to put a few more episodes between us and Into the Catterverse before we go back to that that title. Well, yeah, yeah, not everything can be Into the Spiderverse, although. But apparently, we kind of did that. <laughs> I don't know. This is more like um, it's more time travel. It's not d- dimension. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, Sword in the Stone two colon or is it just a standalone title title like Sword in the Time Knife? Time Knife in the <laughs> Ten knife in the stone. Back to the back to the sword. Well, I mean, we did say canonically, no matter what, we were calling this Don Pablo rises. So, alternatively, uh, the sword in the stone two once in future. Ooh, ooh, that's good. That's really good. The once in future. Now, do, here's a question: Do you want it sword in the stone colon the once in future or once in future or sword in the stone two colon? The once in future slash once in future. Like, do you want the two or not? I definitely want the two because, like, the Disney sequels are big on their their needless twos. So, yeah. And then the once in future or once in future. Uh, let's go once in future. All right. Or alternatively, because you know, bad Disney sequels. Sword in the Stone twice in future. I I think once in future is too good. Okay. Cool. I I I know what you mean. You're, you're keeping with the theme of the '90s uh, sequels, like straight to VHS sequels. But I think. Once in Future is too good to waste on. Sure. Come at me, Walt Disney's ghost. Slight alternate. So in Stream 2, the Once in Future alphabet tater tots. <laughs> alternate title. Don Pablo's 2, the Once in Future tater tots. <laughs> I really want tater tots now, and I never crave tater tots. Thank you, Mike. Good. Well, if we did it, then that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. The people can find us everywhere <coughs> podcasts are found. That's on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, your mom's house, um, your dad's house. We're big house. at your mom's house. We're really big at your mom's house. Um, you can also find us at Don Pablo's, wherever, if you are, live near one of those 100 locations. You can we also in there, and they're playing our podcast nonstop in there. And we will definitely appear if you get the tater tots and spell out equalizers, which we, of course, always spell E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel. Yes, that chicken parmesan will open up and we will emerge from the sauce. If you're wandering through a vast wasteland, you'll find a, a castle where a man who's been stabbed in the dick will tell you the only cure is more equalizers. You can always find us chasing down those questing tater tots.
You can also get in contact with us at Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com. We have an Instagram. It is the underscore equalizers where we post all of the episode art. Um, Jesus Christ knows what I'm going to do with this one. I have kind of an idea, <laughs> but uh, it's probably going to involve we'll tater tots. There will definitely be tots on there. I might try to put a sword and a crown on Napoleon Dynamite, who is famous for talking about tots. Special thanks to our theme song, Rock Thing. Go to Creo. You can find their work at www.creo-music.com. We'd love it if you give us a rate and review, because we love you. We love you so fucking hard. Hey, hey, Freakwells, this is a guarantee. We're not going to turn you into a fucking tree. And that rhymed, so that was also a poem for you. Will you remember me? Will you review our show? Uh, Jackson, <laughs> do you have anything to plug? So as Mike has mentioned, uh, I am half of Gratuitous Pausing. Uh, we are a Film Bracket podcast, which you can find in the description. Right now we're wrapping up our comic book bracket, where we went over the best comic book films that are not part of the big two, and we're barreling straight towards our sports bracket. As we are recording this today the final episode of your comic book bracket came out so it's out there go go and find it it's been a good ride depending on how we organize things then uh mike will probably be on soonish to talk about the league of extraordinary gentlemen and mystery men mike and i also run a study in granada which is a hard thing to google because uh you can do study abroad in, in granada which is a place in spain but this podcast is about the 1980s granada television series adaption of the Sherlock Holmes mysteries. So check us out wherever podcasts are found. Link in the description again. And if it sounds like something you're interested in, I will say, because we don't talk about this enough, all the episodes of the Granada series are on YouTube and are free to watch. And all the stories are in the public domain. So the barrier to entry is incredibly low. Madison, do you have anything that you want to plug? I never ask you. Uh, You can find me either working at the Auditorium Theater in Chicago Madison doesn't work there, just hangs out in the lobby. Yeah. Smells uh, the flowers. You can find me at Blue Man Group Chicago if you want tickets, hit me up. Or um, <laughs> you can find me talking to people in my graduate cohort about uh, what artist we should tour on this project we're doing this this semester. <laughs> <laughs> those are some strong plugs those are those are some very strong and very specific plugs we're we're gonna do um the, this chamber music duo um that are apparently the two artistic directors of the lincoln center so hey if that's your thing find me <laughs> <laughs> i regret asking so jackson next time and i have to say the bar is set perfectly for you because the last challenge you received was the pest so yeah so, please don't give us anything like the past oh i only picked good movies well my uh one two three four five, my fifth alternate is a bad movie but the rest are good ones all right so keeping with the themes of britishness and magic and <laughs> uh and fighting fascism uh your challenge is to equalize the 1971 classic bedknobs and broomsticks okay i've never i've, I've never seen either. this movie i've never seen that movie either so so my elevator pitch for it is angela lansbury becomes a witch in order to fight the nazis Sweet. yeah um, i'm down i'm so down to clown 
Um, this is a favorite movie of my mom, actually. So she'll really enjoy this episode when. Hey, she, should we get when she eventually di- when she eventually uh, discovers what a podcast is? Oh, that's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, tune in next time as we tackle bed knobs and broomsticks too. So for the equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Jack Snefflin. I'm Mike Knoll. Tottery, watery, timely, wimely. That's it. That's a magic word. Just play in the space a little bit to see if we get to. It's like rolling with advantage just to see if you crit. Tottery, watery, flippity, flop. Timity, wimity, embalmity, trap. Scalpity, wappity, whippity, do, whatever, did it, squirrel, fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>